Chapter Twenty Two of the Cowardly Line of Oz by Ruth Plummy Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two, A Happy Home in Oz. And now, sighed the little Queen of Oz, sinking down among the soft cushions of her emerald throne, let's have the whole story. Nothing could have exceeded her amazement as Notta told her of their marvelous adventures in Oz, of doorways and Un and Preserva the Great, of the Flyaboutabus and the Fiddlebow Boat. Dorothy was so curious about the skyle of Un that they all ran to look in Ozma's magic picture, which shows any place or person one wishes to see. "'Show us the Uns,' commanded Ozma breathlessly and Bob and Notta almost tumbled over backwards when the magic picture showed them I wish I was and his featherheads. A great battle was in progress, for I wish I was was furious at the loss of the flyaboutabus. The guards and their friends on one side and the wicked ruler on the other were fighting tumultuously. Sticks and feathers were flying in every direction, and they were even pulling down their treehouses. Ozma shook her head gravely, but Bob-Up, who had been thinking about the only good un ever since they left the Skyland, suddenly remembered his name and triumphantly whispered it to Ozma. Instantly Ozma, with the help of Glinda and the wizard, commanded the good un to come out from his hiding and sit upon the throne. The fighting ceased at once, and the uns began to look at one another with puzzled expressions as if they could not remember what they had been quarreling about. Bob and Notta and the cowardly lion shouted with approval, forgetting in their interest that the uns in the picture could not hear them. The good un's name was Unselfish, and as Glenda assured Ozma that the Skyle would thereafter be ruled wisely and well, they all returned to the throne room. After Dorothy had hugged Notta a few dozen times for his devotion to the cowardly lion, and the clown had turned his best somersaults, told his best jokes, and generally made himself so funny that everyone was doubled up with laughter, Ozma again raised her scepter for silence. "'I suppose,' said the little fairy regretfully, for she had taken a great fancy to the clown and snorer and bob-up, I suppose that now you are anxious to return to America. Notta took off his cap and scratched his ear, a habit he had when puzzled or embarrassed. Don't go yet, begged Dorothy, seizing the clown's arm imploringly. As for Bob-Up, he retired behind an emerald pillar so that no one could see that he was crying. Oh, yes, cawed Snorer, flapping down from the back of a tall chair where he had been enjoying a noisy little nap. Oh, yes, we must go to America and make our fortune. I am going to have my nose patented and teach the people there how to snore properly. That's right, agreed Notta soberly. I'm a family man now and must go back and earn enough to send Bob to college. I must save up for my old age, for clowns can't be tumbling around the country forever. Why, it's nothing but fun! cried Scraps, who had been quiet as long as she could contain herself. "'Not always,' sighed Notta. 
Making people laugh is the hardest work in the world. Look how easy it is to make them cry. But come along, Bob-Up, it's high time we were going. And if this little lady will just say the magic words, we'll bid you all goodbye. I must be saving up for my old age, he repeated mournfully. When Nata was sad, he always thought about his old age. And the idea of leaving the cowardly line and all of this merry and childlike company made him sad indeed. And Ozma, who is the cleverest little mind and heart reader anywhere in the world, or out, Ozma guessed his secret. "'Don't go!' cried the little queen impulsively. "'Stay with us, and you won't have any old age. Stay in Oz, dear Nata, and be happy forever.' At this the excitement was terrific. Every man, woman, child, animal, and celebrity added his or her voice to Ozma's. And when the clown, with tears in his eyes, accepted the little queen's generous offer, they seized hands or paws, as the case might be, and danced merrily round Bob, Snorer, and not a bit more. "'You shall have the jolliest cottage in Oz,' promised the scarecrow, when the excitement had subsided a bit. "'A tent would seem more homelike,' whispered Notta in the cloth ear of that charming gentleman. And a tent he did have, on the outskirts of the Emerald City, a tent shared with Snorer and Bob, where, with the help of the charming and unusual inhabitants of Oz, the clown gave the most surprising shows that have ever been seen in that magical country. Bob, in his good fortune, did not forget the half-lion, and the Wizard of Oz reunited the unfortunate creature, after bringing both halves, with the aid of Ozma's magic belt to the Emerald City. The poor beast, whose hind quarters had fortunately escaped Crunch's stone spell, was so overjoyed to see his tail again that he raced round in circles for several hours after his reunion. As for Mustafa, he grew amazingly rich from the sale of his stone lions. And you can see them any fine day guarding the doors of public buildings or standing proudly in the various parks of Oz. But in spite of his great wealth, he was far from happy, for his eyes from staring so hard at his ring had become hopelessly crossed, and cross-eyed he remained to the end of his days. Bob up is friends with everyone, but most of all with Button Bright, a little boy who once visited Sky Island and who could not hear enough of the skyle of Un. Nata has saved up enough for Bob's entire education and has gone off to confer with Professor Wogglebug, president of the College of Art and Athletic Perfection, about the future of the little boy. End of chapter 20 End of The Cowardly Lion of Oz by Ruth Plummy Thompson This book recorded by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, April 2019